Welcome to episode 54 of Contested Catch. We're here again for our week seven buys and sells, and we are joined once again by our good friend, our fantasy football contributor, Kyle Singer. Kyle, how are you doing this fine morning, my friend? I can't complain, Will. Thanks for having me on on a nice Thursday morning. We've got football tonight, so I'm excited. And actually, we'll talk about a couple of those guys tonight. Yeah, man, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. Um, and but I mean, we've got we got some really good um, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends and quarterbacks to discuss today. Um, we're going to kick it off with the wide receiver position. Um, so why don't you give us the first one, a guy that uh, first wide receiver buy that is a guy that I'm definitely on board with. So the biggest wide receiver buy before we go into the game tonight, um, this is more obviously season long. That's Terry McLaurin. Uh, right now, he's first in rock over the past three weeks. I kind of went with that sample size just because of like the quarterback situation and what's been going on. But in terms of full season, he's still fourth in rock. So he's killing it. Um, he's a rock star for sure. But just to go over the past three weeks, he's got a 57% air yard share and a 28% target share. And then season long, that compares to a 44% air yard share and a 27% target share. So he's been getting that work all along, but it seems to only be increasing. Um, in his next six weeks, I mean, he's got a super easy schedule. Dallas, Giants, Lions, Bengals, and Dallas again. And he's got a bye week mixed in. But he's also only got one touchdown. I think we'll see some positive regression on that front. And if that target share continues, which it should, I love him. Yeah, McLaurin, I mean, first in rock in the last three weeks is, is all you really need to know because we know that that's a really good measure of opportunity. And he's above, you know, guys that are much bigger names at this point. Uh, DK Metcalf is at fourth. Adam Thielen's at sixth. You know, he's a, he's above everyone. So that's fantastic. I'm definitely on board. Uh, who is your next buy, Kyle? The next one is applicable tonight. Um, that's Travis Fulgham. He's 11th in rock over the past three weeks. And so the past three weeks is when he started playing. Um, and that opportunity just is going to continue. Zach Ertz is now hurt. Miles Sanders is hurt. Also, I mean, Zach Ertz is going to be gone for, I think I saw just four to six weeks. That just came out this morning. It sounds like no Dallas Goddard tonight. So basically it's going to be Travis full, full drum, full gum, however you say it. Um, I think Deshaun Jackson is going to be active. I guess he's a sneaky play just because he always goes off against the giants. I feel like, but I don't know. He's coming off injury, but uh, Travis Fulgham's got a 24% target share, 31% air yard share, and, and a really easy uh, schedule, Giants, Dallas, Giants, and Cleveland. So that opportunity continues. I don't see why he can't keep this up. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is he's tied for third among wide receivers in red zone targets the last three weeks. And I think that bodes really well because he's got a touchdown in each. Obviously, he's been getting a ton of target volume uh, you know, very solid air yard volume as well, but to also be getting a pretty sizable portion of the red zone targets, I think bodes really well. Kyle, do you know who is first in red zone targets? In the past three weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, put me on the spot here. Uh, hopefully not Mike Evans. I know it's not that. I can't, I don't know. Who is it? DJ Chark. Really? <laughs> Throwback to a previous yeah. episode. I'm still on board. I'm still on board. He's uh, he's climbing for me. How are his but anyway. points over the past three weeks? Uh, Oh, uh, uh, 36. <laughs> so not very good. More than Kenny Galladay. Okay, that's fair. Galladay did have a bye, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, uh, 
Okay, good stuff. And, and that still includes his, his big game, too. Yeah. Um, okay, who is your third wide receiver by this week? So this one is, it's a little bit tricky. I know last week we talked about like CEH and then the whole Le'Veon situation came. So I'll keep up the uh, the pace and go with another, uh, how can you say it? Just an interesting situation and a development in the football world. And that's my bias, Tyler Lockett. The reason it's interesting is because Antonio Brown is now rumored to sign with the Seahawks after week eight when he's eligible to return. But I don't know. We'll see. I think that's hype for now. And even if that's the case, that's in two weeks. You're not going to start AB that first week. I don't think he's really going to play a role if he signs there for another like three, four weeks. And even so, I don't think he's got clearly any any uh, rapport built with Russell Wilson. So I don't think for the fantasy season that really is going to matter. Um, but I do think you can use that in trade talks and say like, oh, look, Antonio Brown's coming, you know, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, take a dip. I mean, I know I'll be saying that stuff, even though I don't believe it. But Lockett's got five red zone targets. That's one per game. He just had, they're just coming off their bye week, 24% air yard share and a 23% target share. Lockett, we know, has those kind of dud games, and that's what he's done, I guess you could say, the past, well, it's the past two games he's played in the bye. So three consecutive weeks of, of low production. Um, I think he's a buy low candidate right now. And, we're seeing Russ Cook. DK is killing it, so I think he's going to draw some more attention going forward, leaving Tyler Lockett, who isn't going to drop the balls that he was dropping the last time we saw him on the field. At some point during the 2020 season, I was expecting DK Metcalf to overtake Tyler Lockett. But, you know, it wasn't like a full confidence thing where I'm like, there's no question he's going to take over. But it was kind of it was it just felt the way things were trending, especially the way that DK Metcalf finished when the play breaks down. He wants to be looking for Tyler Lockett, but it felt like a, a development that was definitely possible. And, you know, through five games, weeks one through five, not including their bye, DK's 11th and rock and Lockett is 18th and and rock. So. Lockett has three more targets, but I think the, the general point here is that DK is the wide receiver one, Lockett is the wide receiver two, and it's more wide receiver 1A, 1B. And then if AB gets added to the mix, he's not going to have rapport with, with Russ, but you know if he's even like 80%, 60% of what he was in the past, he's going to be a very valuable player for the Seahawks. So I really think that that just helps um, Russell Wilson. What we should really be thinking about here is that Tyler Lockett is already a stupid efficient player. Like he doesn't need big volume in order to be a great player. Um, DK Metcalf showing a very similar thing. In fact, he's actually not that efficient in, ter in terms of his catch rate, but just the passes that he is getting, they're all like 50 yard bombs, dude. If he comes down with two of them, he's got a hundred yards and two touchdowns, right? Like he's just been unbelievable plus the red zone work. So honestly, I'm not really worried about either of these guys. I think if anyone was going to be affected, it would probably be DK just because of the established rapport that Tyler Lockett has and how he's been like on a different wavelength with Russ in a good way. And so I'm I'm with you that I think Tyler Lockett um, is definitely a buy. I think that if DK Metcalf stock dips at all because of this AB stuff, buy him as well. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of the main point is I think we're going to see Russ Cook continue to cook, that is. Um, and I don't think like if AB does go to the Seahawks, which is still, I think, like even a long shot. I mean, he's going to have, he's going to be boomer bust. Like if you picked him up or, or something like I, I actually look into trading him. If people are going to give you a good amount for him. Um, I picked him up in all my leagues other than of course my main one where he was already picked up, but 
I'm definitely looking to shop him because I don't think he's going to have much fantasy relevance this season. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to your wide receiver cells now, Kyle. Who do you have lined up for week six? I think this one might come sort of as a shock just because of how amazing Chase Claypool has been. But he's 44th in rock. He's only got a 16% target share, which comes down to less than five targets a game. Um, and he's got six touchdowns in his past four games. So obviously that's not going to hold. It's crazy efficient. He's getting rushing touchdowns. Um, sounds like Deontay Johnson's going to be back and hopefully fully healthy. I know Juju Smith-Schuster, he was a, a sell for me earlier in the season, but like it's almost coming to that point where he actually might be a buy because of how low people are on him. I get that you know, he's not getting the target share. Um, and it's kind of being spread out to Claypool, to Deontay, to James Washington. But people are kind of – I know Matthew Barry just said Chase Claypool is like a must-start, don't get cute. I don't know. I, I don't think that's actually the case. I like I like how high he's projected in ESPN to use as trade bait. His past couple of games have been crazy. Um, to me, he's a sell high, whereas – Juju is actually a buy very low. Like you can literally trade bench scrubs to get him. And he's kind of like, I'm not saying start Juju. I'm just saying, see what he does. I don't think this, I don't think this target share is going to remain. I do still think he's a very talented player. Um, and I think his production will increase. And I think Claypool will definitely take a dip, especially in the touchdown department. Yeah, I've been a big fan of Claypool as a prospect, you know, going into the NFL draft. I was a fan of him in rookie drafts and, and dynasty in the summer. Um, I did. I wasn't sure if he was going to have any sort of relevance in his first year. I mean, it's just the odds were not in his favor, considering how uh, deep the wide receiver position was there with the emergence of Deontay Johnson. And obviously, James Washington was there. Uh, Eric Ebron was added in the offseason. So I really wasn't expecting this from Chase Claypool so early on. But he's already like reaching the type of uh, weekly ceiling that I knew was possible for him because he's basically like a Martavis Bryant type player for Ben Roethlisberger. And we know that that was very volatile, but a very, very high ceiling play in like a Calvin Johnson type body. And he has already shown his dominance. And, you know, in the last three weeks, Kyle, 15th and rock overall, 26 uh, percent area or target share, but a 47 percent air yard share. And that is fifth in the league. In the last three weeks, I think that bodes really well for him. Uh, and the reason is, even if Deontay Johnson comes back and garners the same usual um, role, which is a lot of low A dot, uh, you know, underneath routes, crossing routes, that sort of thing, with with some other stuff sprinkled in, and you know, pretty similar role for Juju Smith-Schuster at this point. Chase Claypool is the field stretcher, and I think that he has already given uh, Ben Roethlisberger enough confidence to continue to throw to him that I do like Claypool to continue to produce in fantasy. The problem is, I think that once the volume, like the 26% air, uh, target share, once that dips to maybe below 20, something like 17, 18% with all their weapons fully healthy, I think that we see a much more volatile player where, you know, maybe he gets uh, one or two big, big gains, but I doubt he gets three carries every game uh, like he did in that four touchdown outing. So... Anyway, I think what's really encouraging about Claypool is that he's a really good player, getting creative and um, and very valuable usage. It's just will it will it stay? I mean, if someone's offering you like wide receiver two value or something, you probably got to take it. Like unless you're in a dynasty situation, 
I mean, there's just, we don't have a big enough sample to fall back on and be like, no, 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 this will stay. This will stay. I mean, especially once you factor in the Deontay Johnson injuries. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I think that's an interesting one to discuss. I'm a little bit more bullish than you on Claypool, but who is your next wide receiver sell? Yeah, so next one is Christian Kirk. My brother is going to be pissed at me because I know he's got him. <laughs> he's definitely probably trying to sell him. Um, but Kirk is 70, 70th in rock right now. He's got a 12% target share. And and then, like, you know, obviously that's not great, but he's got three touchdowns in the past three games, um, including two this past week against Dallas, one being like an 80-yard touchdown catch, just a bomb. And then one was like a just like a little dink and dunk, like two yard. Well, that was like, you know, what basically a handoff forward pass, and he kind of sweeps to the right of the end zone. Uh, basically, an easy touchdown there. So, like his fantasy day looked great, but he only had two catches for eighty-six yards, I think, and two touchdowns. Uh, I just think if anyone's going to give you something for him, like he's a bench player, you're not, you don't want to start Christian Kirk every week. So, if anyone's going to give you something for him that you can use, I would definitely do that. Or, you know, if you can package him with something to slightly upgrade, I think it's worth it. We'll get to my uh, running back sell or buys later, but I think there's uh, a couple injured players if you're in a good position that you can kind of target with a Christian Kirk type player. Mm. Yeah, you know, he had a huge game. Uh, unfortunately, I was playing your brother and he <laughs> put me in the grave with that Christian Kirk long touchdown or, or yeah. actually that was the short one that that did it for me unfortunately yeah. that's how close our game was but um alas you know chase claypool is the number one out producer in the rock this week and christian kirk is the sixth out producer in the rock this week so you are being backed up by the numbers here kyle um you know claypool is project has projected to score uh 8.6 points less than he has based on the volume he's been getting christian kirk 4.3 points per game less than he has based on the volume is received. So uh, I, I'm definitely with you on Kirk. I think that we saw somewhat of an aberration and he did this last year. Remember he had that huge three touchdown game and people thought, oh, finally, okay, the guy drafted is here. For whatever reason, man, Arizona has not been the team that we were expecting for the second year in a row, basically. Um, and there's been a lot of disappointment. The only ones who haven't been disappointing uh or who have who haven't been disappointed are the drafters of deandre hopkins so and kyle uh, i'm Murray, with you to be fair yeah kyle murray's been he's been really good but i also think that quarterback has been very deep this year yeah uh so i mean i think people probably put a pretty reasonable price tag on him in the draft and and if you're getting you know a good player from him that's good but i mean josh allen has been amazing patrick mahomes has been good uh aaron Rodgers has been really good so i think that uh don't forget for, for the don't forget Russ. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so Kyle, who is your last wide receiver sell? So the last one, I think the data is going to be, it will definitely be different. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be for better or worse. I'm taking a gamble that it will be worse. And that is Devonte Parker. So right now he's 33 in rock, but as we know, the QB change is coming after this week's bye week um, Two is taking over, which by the way, like, I hate to see that. <laughs> like Fitz Fitz looked great. Three and three with like honestly, like a not a very good Dolphins team. And he's been playing very well. So I felt bad for him. You know, he was he was a sad boy when he got benched, which I understand. But um, either way, Monte Parker's got a 20% target share, but only a 3.8% red zone share. Um, and you know, he's that big bodied receiver. They've they've just been looking at the tight ends 
they all look like Mike Gusecki, but they're never Mike Gusecki. They're all clones of him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think I don't really know what two is going to bring. I think he's got a huge learning curve, especially jumping in after a bye midseason. If people are on the two a hype train or are valuing Devontae Parker the exact same, I would definitely trade him um, for someone around what we kind of thought Devontae Parker was going to be at that value, like a, a low on wide receiver too. So I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely looking to shop him right now, uh, especially in the early parts of Tua. And I expect some struggles with him. Yeah. I, I don't have a very strong opinion on um, the playmakers in Miami either way, because I think that Tua is really good. And I think that Tua is going to struggle as a rookie who hasn't really seen a lot of game action in the last you know year or so. If you're if you are a believer in the talent of any of these players, including Preston Williams, Mike Isicki, uh, even Miles Gaskin, then I'd probably be buying in this scenario because Tua is probably going to be a little bit more conservative to start. But you know, we know that he's capable of making big plays with very talented receivers, is all he did in Alabama. So, you know, with that said, I think that if you believe in in Devontae Parker's talent, then maybe wait for a, a dip in the next week and then buy. Uh, if if you are worried about quarterback uncertainty, then I would sell. Um, so I, I I don't really feel too strongly one way or another, but I think that was a, a compelling case you made, Kyle. Um, okay, so let's move on to our running back buys for this week. And Kyle, the first guy you have, I do have a little disagreement with, but we'll get into that. Who, who's your first buy? Right, I'm excited for this. Uh, it's Boston Scott. He's kind of a He's a two week guy. Uh, it's just kind of like if you need to win, um, if you're like three and three or less and you need to win, I like him. Uh, I know probably I would, I would assume some of your disagreement comes from early on this season when Miles Sanders was hurt and Boston Scott was in. Is that is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before we go there, um, I just want to say, like, no Zach Ertz. No Dallas Goddard. Like we already talked about uh, Fulgham tonight. It's literally like this guy, Fulgham, who is, you know, he's been on three teams in two months. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and an injured Deshaun Jackson. The ball is going to be, you know, I would assume they're going to be passing, and Boston Scott is a receiving back. That's kind of where the bulk of his work came from at the end of last season when he killed it. Um, definitely. I, I obviously like him more in full PPR, but still we're talking about half PPR. I still like him, but the last four games of the regular season last year, when he stepped in for an injured Miles Sanders, he went 24.8 fantasy points, 13.5, 7.9, and then 35.8, an average of 20.5 points per game. That would put him at RB six on the year, just behind Alvin Dalvin, uh, Derek Henry, Zeke, and Aaron Jones. I know that's not going to actually probably happen, but it's a pretty cool stat. And, you know, we see the ceilings there. I think he's definitely going to get a lot of work in the passing game. Um, and if he falls in the end zone once or twice against a terrible Giants defense tonight, then I wouldn't be shocked. And I think he could be, you know, very useful in the short term for your fantasy team. I think my my reservation with Boston Scott is is that he hasn't looked good all year, including week one in placing uh, an injured Miles Sanders in week one. And if you are playing him, you probably need to win this week. Right. If you're sitting at like two and four or even worse, one and five, um, you're 
you probably need a win. And I think that Boston Scott offers a very risky RB2 flex option. The reason being, we know what he's capable of based on what he did at the end of last season. But I think this season so far, the, the Philly offense has been very dysfunctional. Um, and Miles Sanders has been able to salvage uh, his days, as Jeff and I talked about earlier this week, with some longer runs. But the consistency hasn't been there. And I think there's a big talent difference between Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. So to me, I would expect probably like 50, 60 percent of what Miles Sanders is would be capable of in the, with the same volume. And I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little bit I'm, I'm definitely more lukewarm on Boston Scott. And the reason being is is the risk profile. It's not that I don't think that he's capable of putting up like, you know, a top 10 RB week, considering the volume he could receive with no one else healthy. But also we know that this this offensive line is still banged up. Carson Wentz's play is erratic. You know, if anything, I think that we might see a little bit more Jalen Hurts this week um, than we've been seeing. And just I think Philly is going to have to get really creative. So as much as you'd like from a fantasy perspective for a team to really lean into one player or another, I don't even think Boston Scott is that type of player. Like he's he's much more of like a Darren Sproles type than, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess a bigger guy that, that you would you would really handle the load to. And I think that Philly sees him in the same way. But. We'll see. It's uh that it'll be an interesting one to monitor for us. I feel like just, you know, he's obviously like a two week, maybe more depending on Miles Sanders health, but he's, you know, he's a two week fill in probably. And he's, his two weeks are home against the giants and home against Dallas. Obviously like some of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't expect, I don't expect like the Eagles to be up where they're running the ball. I think they're going to be in a close game where they're actually using him as a pass back. And that's kind of my main argument and if miles sanders is out longer than we expect he's got the giants again cleveland uh and then and then uh seattle so terrible defenses over the next five if anything happens to sanders i do think i do think he's he's more of a of a high upside flex than i think you're giving credit in my opinion that's fair that's fair totally totally fair um okay let's move on to the next running back buy you have here kyle and this is a guy who's coming back from the dead for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, let, let's hear it. This one's quick. Uh, it's just like an ad. It's worth it's worth adding Tevin Coleman, I think. Uh, right now you can put him in your IR spot. And he probably won't play until next week. But Raheem Mostert out. Just like that backfield is very frustrating. I know I said buy him last week. And then he goes down with injury. Ah, frustrating. But I do think um, Tevin Coleman is worth the ad. I think Raheem Mostert, if you're in a good position, is worth the buy, which kind of leads me to my next point that I was I was hinting at earlier, and that is if you are, you know, four and two or better, and you can kind of like trade someone on your bench to to get some of these injured running backs to prepare for the playoffs, I think you should do that. So take a look for, you know, on top of Mostert, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, if you are in that position where you can make a move. Yep, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, all right, let's move on to our running back cells here, Kyle. The first one is is a guy that I'm 100% on board with. I've been on board against this player since the summer. Um, and so who is that? Yeah, Kenyon Drake. Um, it's frustrating because like I wanted him to work out. I know a lot of people in the fantasy community really wanted him to work out. Uh, and he's been just terrible. But it's all coming from basically no passing work. He's getting like a 4% target share. He has eight total targets through six weeks and just six catches on those eight targets. 
a total of negative 10 air yards. I mean, I know he's a, I know he's a uh, running back and he's getting, you know, screen passes, but like still he hasn't even been looked downfield yet. But if you compare that to Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds has 26 targets and four red zone targets. And I think uh, Drake has one red zone target. So 26 to eight targets, you know, obviously we know who the pass back is and that's kind of where Kenyon Drake really, uh, he was, you know, he bowed well last year was on, you know, all that pass work, but he's coming off of a huge 28.4 fantasy point game. Definitely a sell high. Uh, I know Matthew Berry, he kind of talked about how it's like he had two touchdowns. So if you took, took out the, the little one inch touchdown that he got after Kyler Murray was stopped at like the, literally the inch line. So he scored, that's, you know, that's six points. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, he gets like a 69 yard touchdown run against the third string defense of, uh, of the Cowboys, who is basically like the C team golden lions. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if you take those out, he's got nine fantasy points as opposed to 28.4. I know obviously we do expect those touchdowns to happen, but well, not those, but like a touchdown here or there, but those ones are kind of like garbage touchdowns and he ended up really would have had a horrible fantasy performance if it weren't for those. So if anyone's going to give you anything close to what you drafted Kenyon Drake to be, um, definitely take it. Yeah. He's, I think, been clearly outplayed by Chase Edmonds. I think he's staying afloat because of these uh, touchdowns that he's fallen into or, you know, had a very soft situation against. Um, it, to me, it's, it's a player that I wasn't sold on. It's a situation I wasn't sold on because I didn't actually think Arizona was going to fully commit to him. Um, I think it's been the case so far. And like you said, Kyle, if you have a chance to get something for close to what you drafted him for, I would recommend doing it just because I'm not confident that this is going to be a consistent RB1-ish producer like he was pegged to be uh, in the summer. So let's move on to our, our second set of uh, RB cells here. So the last one's kind of tough right now just because it's kind of like a hold and sell situation, I think. Um, that's Clyde Edwards-Solaire and Le'Veon Bell. I don't really want any part of them, but I do think... I mean, I can't really predict the future, obviously, but I think we have somewhat of, a, of an indication as to what might happen because of the schedule. Um, they've got at Denver this week. I think it's going to be a lot of CEH again, and they're going to kind of warm up Le'Veon Bell. He'll probably be the third down back. And then the following week, they play the Jets, and I think that's a Le'Veon Bell hammer spot. He's going to go off like a DFS to just destroy the Jets. But after that, it gets cloudy. I mean, I know they, they do have Carolina the week after that. So their next three, I do like the running backs, but I think they're kind of sell highs after that because I think that backfield is going to become cloudy very quickly. Um, I think it's going to be more of a committee than people expect. I know CEH just ran for 161 yards on the Bills, and he had 26 attempts. But I think that was just the defense that we were playing. We were giving up the run and just trying to stop the deep ball. So people still, you know, I, I mean, everyone knows the Le'Veon Bell's coming, but I think if you have CEH, let him, let him play this week and be like, Oh, look, Le'Veon Bell was here, even though he probably won't play all that much this week, try to sell him right before that Jets game. Cause I think it'll be a Le'Veon Bell Jets game. And then they're just going to stampede um, the Jets or sorry, the Panthers that following week. Uh, I think 
monitor them over the next three weeks, sell them when they go off. I think they will have some good games in the next three, but then I am worried uh, the rest of the way, especially in playoffs. This will be probably one of the biggest like pivot points for fantasy managers this season is how does Kansas City shake out? We've just seen, you know, we know how lucrative the, the, off, uh, the offense can be if you get a share of it. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been really, really strong, I think. And I think he's been not given enough credit for how, how he's looked um, and how he's produced. I mean, he's been a, an RB1 in 12-team leagues. Um, Le'Veon Bell, we know, is a, is a great player. Uh, based on his career i'm just not sure how much is left in the tank and i think that there's a lot more uncertainty with him being added mid-season with him only getting a one-year contract one million dollar one-year contract i will say this kyle i definitely think that he's in for a big blow-up revenge game against the jets so for sure i think i think that that'll be that'll i don't know if that'll be chalk but it will definitely be uh a hot pick in, in DFS and uh, I'm, I'm all here for it. <laughs> yeah, it very well could be. And just to, just to clarify, I definitely Clyde is the, I, I am at the point where I think it will be the, uh, the RB one a versus one B it's kind of, it's going to be kind of like the, uh, the situation that we talked about earlier with Ken, Kenny Drake and chase Edmonds. I just think Le'Veon will get the pass work and the rush work will probably go to CEH, but I don't know. We'll see. Yep, that's fair. Um, okay, so let's move on to our uh, tight end buys here, Kyle. Who is the the one that you've got for this week? Noah Fant. I think I talked about him either last week or the week before. Um, he's basically, he's only played weeks one through four. And in that time, he had an 18% target share with six red zone targets. Drew Locke is back and they look to pick up on what they started with when Noah Fant was going off. Um, that was earlier. They've got a really nice schedule coming up. And the bye week already happened for them. So you don't have to worry about that. And obviously the tight end position is just weak right now. So I would assume Noah Fant is like a top five to seven tight end play the rest of the way with upside to be even better, especially now that Ertz is gone, actually. Um, maybe even higher, even though he's Ertz has been garbage, but still. But uh, one thing just to keep note of, I saw an update um, I got this morning. It was just the... The weather in Denver, the the Denver Chiefs game this week is expected to be the a high of twenty five degrees and a a low of ten degrees with fifty percent chance of snow. So, could be a fun game to watch. Um, could be low scoring, probably not though. It's still the Chiefs, but that does bode well for Ceh in the rushing game, I think, and maybe Noah Fant in terms of you know the shorter dump off passes if they are passing as opposed to going deep to Judy. You have two tight end cells for us this week, and I definitely uh, I'm honestly on board for both of them. But, uh, you know, we know tight ends kind of a weird position for buys and sells. But who are these guys, Kyle? Yeah, it's I mean, there's basically you're not selling any elite guys, but uh, I like to sell guys after big games. And that's Gronk and Hayden Hurst, both coming off of um, touchdown performances. Gronk had a five five catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. Hurst four for 57 and a touchdown. Both just have a 13% target share. Both are kind of in the same situation where Gronk's dealing with the competition of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller and company. And then Hayden Hurst has also got, you know, Julio, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and others. They're both coming off the big games and they're in very similar situations. Um, I, I mean, the tight end position is just a, it's just a shit show right now. So if you don't have a top tier guy, you're kind of, it's a dart throw anyway at this point. 
So if you can get anything for them, you know, there's a lot of guys on the waiver wire that are going to probably produce very similar numbers. So go ahead, trade those guys. All righty. So Kyle, let's wrap up here. Who is your uh, quarterback buy? I don't really have uh, a much of a buy. I don't think anyone's like a screaming buy candidate. I would say uh, add to a just why not? He's a dart throw as much as I, I'm kind of counteracting my Devonte Parker sell with this, but I just, I do think like if you have the bench spot, you know, he could be, he could be worth the ad. Maybe he is sick. Maybe he provides some rushing floor and in, in that passing attack. He's got decent wide receivers and a good tight end. So, um, could, could be worth the ad, but no one, uh, no glaring buys right now. And then my only sell, like, again, it depends what you're selling him for, but that's Kyler Murray. He's QB one right now. Uh, he's been crazy efficient running a lot, which obviously you like to see, but you know, that 80 yard touchdown to Christian Kirk, like, I don't think he's going to be QB one to finish. He's QB right. QB one right now. If you can get any of the other five for him and something else, like that being Russell Wilson. Well, first off, I'll take Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and uh, definitely them. I'd say Watson, I would want like maybe something else with him. But if you can get any of those guys plus anything, like anything, you know, usable, I would do it. Okay. I think uh, on Tua, a lot of people would be like, but dude, like he's starting his first game. Uh, ever you know halfway through the season he's coming off this hip thing we don't really know like how's he gonna acclimate the reason i'm uh, more bullish and i think the standard fantasy person would be on tua is that we have seen talented dual threat quarterbacks come in year one and make a big time fantasy impact obviously you know cam newton comes to mind russell wilson was great as a rookie i mean Josh Allen has had his moments, I guess. Just anyone who has the, you know, Deshaun Watson was the best fantasy quarterback as a rookie before he tore his ACL. Um, there's just there's just that element that when someone is willing to use their legs, they can be huge, huge fantasy football uh, impact players. So I think that there is absolutely the chance with that with Tua. Now, there's a reason I'm not coming out wholeheartedly saying, you know, must add like I would have with Lamar when he was a rookie. Which I did nice. <laughs> at the time. Uh, it didn't really work because he wasn't uh, a developed passer yet, and so he was basically just like an RB two in your quarterback slot, which isn't which is a net negative, I think. But anyway, um, with Tua, I think as he develops and and acclimates to the NFL system and the NFL game, uh, I think we're probably going to see a couple more turnovers than he will otherwise uh, be prone to produce. And will he use his legs? You know, he hasn't. He's only been hit once, I think, uh, since that hip injury. So. There's just a lot of uncertainty, but like you said, Kyle, uh, definitely worth an ad. If you're in a super flex league, I think he's like a priority 100% because uh, there's enough talent on this offense. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is producing and Tua, Tua Tagovailoa is as good as we think he is, then he shouldn't have a problem putting up at least QB2 numbers. So good stuff there, Kyle. I think there's some really good, really good stuff in this in this episode. Um, I definitely like... I like the guys that we agree on, but I also like the guys that we disagree on because yeah. that's that's where it's going to be fun to look back on. We'll see um, him tonight, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, good stuff, man. OK, well, uh, any final thoughts here as we wrap up episode 54? Yeah, I would just say like a, a reminder, a general trade consensus. Obviously, you're looking at your your record, but look at other people's records and kind of where you can help them because no one wants to get a trade offer where it doesn't help them at all. So see. If they're in a must-win situation, you look at their upcoming schedule and say, like, 
look, you're, you have a bye week here and here and you need to win these games. Maybe I can help you with this and really explain it to them. That will definitely help get trades accomplished. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's all situational. So always see what you can get for players too. That's, uh, that's always the thing. So good luck to everyone. Yep, that's a good point. Absolutely. Uh, th- there's nothing to burn like burning a fantasy football bridge, like giving it just a terrible, terrible offer that the other person has no interest in doing. And you're just saying, well, why not? Let's see if they take my bottom three bench players for a uh, starter. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done that before. It's not it's not good. I don't I don't advise doing it. It will come back to bite you. We've all been there. Absolutely. On both both sides of that. Yeah. That does it for our week seven buys and sells here. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys are taking a look at uh, you know the, the players that we're talking about, but also the process that we're using to evaluate them and seeing how you can apply this in your league and with other players that we may or may not have mentioned. So with that said, make sure to check out our previous episode from earlier this week. Make sure to check out our week seven preview that comes on Friday and make sure to use the rock and DFS tools. Those are contestedcatch.com forward slash ROC, contestedcatch.com forward slash DFS respectively. If you have any questions, you know where to find us at Contessa Catch for me and at CC underscore casing for Kyle. So that'll do it. We wish you guys the best of luck. Enjoy, and we will catch you next time.